welcome to Sounding Board. My name is David Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Brenda Marie Turner. How are you? I am great. It's so good to hear y'all's voices. It's been so long. I know. Well, it's been really so, it's been really nice. We, this is like our, how many, I'm going to say a number and you're going to be like, Daniel. Who cares? It's been only, it's been four. Well, I'm going to say it's been 20. Because <laughs> what is time during pandemic? We've, we've done really, some. Yeah. We've been really fortunate to, I mean, like the Discord channel, the amount of people on the server has like doubled in the last two weeks. Wow. Just from like bringing people in to make them chat with us on air, um, which has oh, been man. cool. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been very refreshing. It's been like comparing that, like recording podcasts a lot to not, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, because obviously we always record podcasts, but right. basically when the pandemic started, we just took off a long time to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, how long did we? We did like it took a month at least. Yeah, it took about a month. Yeah. And now we're like... To figure out what? I mean, I don't understand. Yeah. Because you've been doing the podcast for like a couple of years, no? Well, so we, we've we been doing it for a couple of years, but when we first started, we were doing it like five times a week, and then we went down right. to like maybe once a week, and then there was a long period of time where we weren't really doing it at all, but we, we would do it occasionally, but we were always producing... Mm-hmm other projects like on scopy we have hearth and soul we have um we have a a podcast that uh about fat justice that was called fat chat and is now called fat out of hell um (laughs) (laughs) um and then so like we've always we have content constantly going up but it hasn't always been the Daniel and Maureen show. Yeah. Um, and when we, when, so we were on vacation at the very beginning of all of this and came back from that, like March 18th and have been Mm. self-isolating since then. And it took us a while to figure, and we always do our interviews in person. And so with that, we had to, we had to, yeah. So we had to figure out how to, (laughs) I want to address that, that German response you had in just a second, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, um, I, yeah, it took us a a little while to figure out how to, um, record remotely, but we finally have it, which is fantastic. Well, because over the course of the, we've been doing Scopy Radio, the podcast we've been doing Mm -hmm. for three years. years. And over that period of time, there were multiple times where we tried doing remote interviews, but it just didn't work. Like, it, there would mm-hmm. be, you know, we'd tried, we, there was, like, one program we were using that was using cell phone audio. Like, I'm thinking of oh. that one interview you did with Marissa that didn't really work very well. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, but that was just to get audio well, for a transcription. But it, but it was, like, my point is, is it was an example of the technology. You oh, know yeah. I mean? Um, mm. and then... We've tried having folks call in on, did we do Skype? I think Skype, and then have them record something on their end, but then they weren't wearing headphones, Mm. and so we could hear an echo. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, like, Discord's, what's been working really well with Discord is, like, since the outset, onset, onset? 
of the... Well, first off, Discord's, like, built for gaming streaming. Like, for people oh, to... Oh, interesting. Yeah, for, like, people in a team to, you know, be on a team in the game I and then also see. stream at the same okay. time. So it's really handy for... Um, so I use it with this other program called OBS, which is, like, a streaming program. And, okay. Um, so, like, we could also stream these at some point, but that's, like, a, a an area of, of figuring out settings and, and how we would run it that <laughs> I'm not ready yet to... <laughs> Maureen's just casually on Instagram. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> watching, Maureen was watching, what was the video you were watching? Someone singing um, No Scrubs. Oh, earlier I was, yeah. It's... <laughs> Like a child, is it like yeah. a child singing the it? Child. Yeah. yeah. And like there's like this guy edited him into the corner of it as if he was on FaceTime with oh her. Oh my word. Oh my god, it's so cute. <laughs> nice. Alright, so wait, I'm lost on tangents. So I so what was I just talking about? You're talking about the nitty gritty of how we record these podcasts. But there what there was yeah. a piece to this that I wanted to make sure I talked about on air. The part that I wanted to make sure I talked about on air is that I've changed all of this recently. Like in the last couple days. There's a huge centipede by my foot. Huge centipede by my foot. Wow. I haven't seen that in a very long time. That was an enormous centipede. Holy (laughs) shit. Wow. This is a wild episode already. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So I'm now running Adobe Audition. At Great. the same time. Amazing. Which is basically oh, like Audacity. Yeah. Um, and all, but it's like a, it's like Adobe's version of Audacity. And what that is allowing me to have is a separate track for OBS and a separate track for us. Nice. Because we can't monitor nice. ourselves in OBS. Or we can. Got it. But there's a delay. Yeah. Anyway. Got so this it. is like world of tech but I, but i i'm curious I just no want that's interesting to know. because i just yeah. i i'm interested in your experience with adobe because i've been using audacity for a couple of years mm-hmm. and i just bought um studio one okay and i'm learning it which is like um studio one i don't know i wouldn't i don't know if i would call it high end i don't know i don't know i just bought it because my brother is into this stuff and he told me what to buy it's definitely more um uh it's a higher quality than audacity but i mean audacity is a free thing but audacity is pretty good yeah um but i am interested in adobe as well because i want at this point i'm willing to invest again if it's going to be easy yeah and still really good so i know a lot of folks that still use audacity and are like professional i mean and obviously it's it's usually like in a situation where you're not using your main like i think that most professionals have like a main setup that is like either logic or some other like you know high high end Fancy, um, yeah. I switched to Adobe Audition just because I recently switched to PC, um, and so uh, I, I use Premiere for video. Uh, yeah, okay, that and makes so sense. So now I'm just I'm that just in sense. the Adobe system. Yeah. Um, which is which is fine. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know Studio One, but the thing with these 
with audio recording softwares generally, like, is if they're good, they're not really that different from each other, you know? I mean, obviously, like, the way that you use yeah. them is different, but, like, yeah. what they can and can't do, like, yeah. So it's definitely... Um, That's fair. Yeah, I mean, but I've liked Adobe Audition so far, and it's working for what we need. And so that's to say, too, like, for folks that are listening, um, thank you for putting up with the audio quality of the last few episodes, because (laughs) it has definitely been a mixed bag. (laughs) But this one will be beautiful. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that is my story there. Now, the next hand, yeah. Something that I would like to say. Yeah. Is that Brenda... You're in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Yes, it's it's 2:20 a.m. I I so I can't believe. So when you signed up for your time, I was like, "Oh wow. Oh amazing. We're going to get to talk to Brenda. That's going to be so fun." Wow, she signed up for an evening spot. I thought she lived in Germany. Oh, well, she must have come back home. <laughs> she must have come back to the US <laughs> because like there's no way. <laughs> That she's signing on at 2 a.m. But here we are. And I, like, that's amazing. Like, it's amazing. I'm so glad that you did that. Well, there's shit else to do. There's, like, nothing else to do. I have what, the only thing I have to do that I have to do tomorrow is have a voice lesson. But it's not until 4.30 in the afternoon. So I just have to be up by, like, 1. Right. So it's like, why not? Yeah, why not? Stay up until 3.30 and... Talk to my friends. Yeah. Um, so when did you move to Germany? Um, I moved to Berlin um, February of 2019, but I moved to Europe November 12th of 20, not 2019, 20. Yeah. November 12th, 2018 is when wow. I moved to Europe. I lived in Rome for a few months. Um, studying with my teacher, like intense study. Um, and then I moved to, to Berlin in February of 2019. Wow. That's so cool. And so you are our first, you're up, you know, obviously, cause we made such a fuss over it. You're our first guest in Europe during all of this. <laughs> so, um, how, like, you know, obviously everyone's familiar with what's going on over here and America's reaction to yeah. all of what's going on. What is it like being in Germany at the, at the moment? Um, well, I mean, pros and cons to every situation. I should preface this with that. Um, but I will say when all of this first started happening, which has started earlier, right? So I've been quarantined since the end of February. Um, and... I will say that the speed with which I quarantined myself because I had just come from Rome. I just come from Italy and they were having a lot of issues. So I quarantined myself, but I don't think Berlin quarantined until a few weeks after that. Um, But like really not long after the state um, said we had to stay in, I filled out a very short application and I got my stimulus from the German government. Wow. And for us, well, for me, I'll speak for myself. For me, that was just huge because, um, you know, they just responded really quickly and it was pretty specifically aimed to freelancers. And they even gave us, um, because under normal circumstances, someone like me 
would not be eligible for any government aid. And if I took government aid, it would nullify my visa. But they realized and took into consideration that a lot of people, especially in Berlin, are not Germans. And so um, we would all sort of be destitute and that would, you know, have a negative effect on the economy. And so they put a pause on that clause in visas through, I think, June so that we could benefit from all of the um, stimulus money that they were giving out. So in that way, I'm really, really grateful to be here. And I do think that for the most part, um, Germany has just really handled it with grace and information and intelligence. And um, that said, I do think we're opening up a little bit too soon. I won't be going out, but um, I know they just announced that the, like all the kids now are going back to school soon and um, they're yeah, really you, starting to relax. Do you know the like change in rate of, of cases by chance? Um, only... Only Berlin. I don't know Germany altogether mm -hmm. um, because no other people in my groups are posting that information right. and I'm not staying up on it. Um, but I know in Berlin, um, last I saw, there were only like less, still less than 200 deaths. And there were still, we never hit the five digit mark of cases. Gotcha. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I just Googled it and it does look like y'all. So the thing that there, that there's been a lot of talk about of how, and obviously I think that, that without a, uh, a virus, like any reopening is too soon, but like yeah. when it comes to rhetoric vaccine, yeah. rhetoric and discourse like what people are saying like for people that are like states especially that are trying to make this foolish case of reopening like the, mm -hmm. the 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 idea is is the whether or not it's on the downswing of the peak so it makes sense to me that given because it looks like y'all i mean you've, you've had spikes but like it looks pretty much like you're on the other end of the bell yeah that. Well, I hope so, but my, my fear, well, I'm not trying to say that word, but like, yeah. I am like the reason why I'm not still going out is because there's still not a cure. Right. Exactly. And there's also, it's just like, okay, we can go out now because the hospitals aren't as full at the moment, mm -hmm. but then they're going to be full. And then we're like, are we going to have to do this again? Yep. And I just feel like we're, because we're doing so well, like we should just like keep doing well. Yeah. Especially, I mean, it's almost summer. Like why, like why send the kids back to school already? That's easy for me to say. I don't have kids. I'm not stuck here in the house with anybody. Um, but as, you know, a performer, I do, I'm concerned about obviously being able to go back to work. And so if we don't slow it down still, like if we go out too soon, then I just feel like it's ultimately going to push everything back right. again. But you know, what yeah. do I know? I'm not <laughs> a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've, yeah. yeah, I've just been, like, very early on in this, I got a call from um, a friend of mine from high school, who, I, this is my second time bringing this up on the podcast, but it's especially relevant here, where um, I got a call from 
um, a friend of mine from high school who lives in France and he was basically just like calling to check up on me and saying like, yeah, it's, it seems like things in America are very bleak and like really, <laughs> and like really being handled very badly. And I just wanted to check that you were okay. And I yeah. was like, that's, well, as, a, that's a tough yeah. call to get. As of recording, we've kind of plateaued at the top a little bit just because mm. of reopening stuff. And obviously like, mm. you know, yeah, America is a is a it's just such an unwieldy beast with this and and yeah. you know, it's um Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just obviously it's a lot. It's complicated and there's a lot going on and there's a lot of factors and any calls in America for for reopening is is pretty foolish to me. Um yeah. and I mean like that's the interesting I mean not interesting, I guess. The thing that is potentially very difficult for people is you have, like, in Europe, especially, like, countries, it seems they have such strong individual identities, you know? Like, actually, now that yeah. we're talking about this more, not that I'm just Googling on air, that's the, the, the sounding board story, <laughs> but I'm, I'm basically, I'm curious, like, so, coronavirus, so I'm looking at Italy's coronavirus cases chart, because, like, what does that how does that affect oh but see that one's down see look i'll show maureen um time of recording like it's like on the other end of the bell curve obviously it was like a really slow decline but like that comparative to it's it again exactly as you said without a cure like there is no guarantee that this is over so not even a cure but a vaccine right a vaccine or something yeah And even so, like I, you know, I talk to my teacher all the time and she, even though they are starting to relax restrictions, um, even in Italy, she's 75 and she's like, I'm not leaving my house until Christmas. Like, and she laughed, but I know she's super serious um, because she got really sick at the beginning of this. And the doctor said it wasn't pneumonia Mm -hmm. um, or that it wasn't this thing. It was like a really bad pneumonia. I'm just like, but that's what they're saying it is because they don't have an actual test. Right. So we think she's already had it. And so now she's right, rightly so like everybody that I know who's had it and it's still living and like now back home, like taking no chances because it was so horrible. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think, I think she's right. Like uh, so... until there's something that can combat it, like what's, what's the point? Right. But I also understand the economic impact of it. So but I mean, it's, it's a, it's like a bandaid versus a, a holistic cure thing to me Yeah. where social distancing is fighting it, but like social distancing, social distancing isn't killing it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, anyway, we haven't actually, have we mentioned this on sounding board at all yet that we think we had it? Oh yeah. Back in December. Oh really? I'm sure I had it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I was sick for like christmas for 10 days i was like so So, sick you were not the only one who was sick whenever you tell this story you're like i was so (laughs) sick well i was just as sick at the same time i can only speak for my own personal experience i was so sick oh it was horrible for me my Christmas was ruined. <laughs> it's like, shithead, I was just as sick. Yeah. 
I mean, just because, like, the breathing aspect and the cough of it, of whatever it was that we had, was, like, nothing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Well, wow. and we went to a clinic, and they were like, yeah, like, because we thought, we thought it was bronchitis, because right. a friend of ours mm. was also sick at the same time, but she was, like, with her boyfriend's family down in Kentucky, and mm. she went to the clinic, and they were like, oh, it's bronchitis, and it seemed like her it seemed like her symptoms were the same so we went to the clinic and they were like yeah no it's not bronchitis it's just a really bad upper respiratory infection which is what they're right bad yeah. upper respiratory virus yeah specifically they said upper respiratory virus yeah and then Maureen caught an article caught an article look at this I, movie. I caught it someone like, threw it at me and I I, I like, caught it with outstretched hand Maureen read an article like what was that like a month or two ago that was yeah. like hey were you really fucking sick in December it said it just like that yeah that was the, that was the, that was the <laughs> hey dog were you real fucking sick <laughs> um and it was like yeah wow. it, were you really sick in December you probably had coronavirus yeah wow so I don't know it's kind of wild um, but where was all of this going? I, I, yeah. We were just talking about like how the U, the EU is still very nationalistic within itself. Right. And, and I, that is also like a curiosity for me too, for, for you is, you know, what is, have you been getting any of the difference of how like the EU is covering American like cases compared to um, I'm sure you're still getting a, a fair amount of like American media yeah I would say everything that I've seen because I have people in um, Amsterdam in it, Italy all lots of places in Italy um, a couple places in France and in the UK and I feel like I'm just reading the same things over and over yeah and it's just like this and it's also the same stuff that I'm seeing on Facebook from like y'all like right. Basically, the U.S. isn't handling it well. People are in beaches and in parks. Um, states are opening up too early. Donald Trump's an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. it's all it's all the same stuff. Like, everything that I see from friends in the U.S. on Facebook is echoed from my friends over here. Um it's just a little bit jarring because even though when I first got here, it was like the Don- like Donald Trump's an asshole. He's an idiot. But nobody thought the, like, and people were, like, concerned that he was elected. But I think now they understand that it's not just him yeah. and that it really is an entire nation of stupid people yeah and people who don't care about other people and that those people are in the poorest of neighborhoods and those people are running entire states Mm -hmm. and so i think it's just more evident over here it's more evident that it's as a country we aren't as great and mighty as um was once believed yeah i'll be interested to see like I mean, obviously, the U.S. has lost some of its standing since the election of Donald Trump, but I'll be interested to see, like, once things are, you know, back to relative normal, how... I always wonder, too, how much of that is our own perspective. 
You know what I mean? Like, I... Like, fucking during Nixon, you think that Europe was like... Oh, yeah. Well, That's I mean, I fair. guess, like... Like, maybe the whole, like, China talks, maybe. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, you can't really I know think it's just saying. different, though. I think it's different because of social media. Yeah. I think that even though we know so much about everything that happened, like, back in the day, and right. I don't even, I can't even claim to know, like, so much. Right. But I think the average person in other parts of the world only saw whatever BBC or whatever their local station decided to show. Yeah. And now people really can, between social media and Google, people really can like find all the information that they want. Well, I guess about back then too, but since we're living in this time, I think that people are more inquisitive, especially like people our age and below. Um, I think that's the difference between how people saw us now versus how people then saw that situation. Yeah. Well, so I want to talk more about, so what, um, why, what made you originally want to, uh, to move to Europe? Hmm. Great question. Um, I had always wanted to come deep down, um, for a really long time. Um, but I, I think just after basically what prompted the actual move? Because, like, I, I mean, I had always wanted to come back. I lived over here. My dad was in the military. So I'd mm. been here before. Not to Berlin or Italy, but I'd been in Europe before. And at the time that I made this decision, I had been working in what I thought was my dream job at the symphony in Atlanta. And um, it's just kind of, you know, when you go, I don't know if you guys know, but I went through, when I first left the full-time stage, in 2008, beginning of 2008, and I decided to move to Chicago and do this other thing. It was a real internal struggle, just trying to figure out what that meant for me as a singer. Like, does this make me less of a singer? Like, what does it mean mm-hmm. if I stop so that I can like not be poor, right? Right. So the whole time I was fundraising up until I went to the symphony in Atlanta, I was thinking if I can just figure out how to get into classical music, then it'll just be the best of both worlds. And so when I finally got this job, um, it was really awesome. And then I was just working so much, so much so that I didn't even have time to make any music of my own. Like I just spent my days and my nights and my mornings um, working really hard so that other people got to make music and it just started weighing on me after a while. And so um, basically my voice teacher at the time who's in Chicago, um, well, she's in Evanston, Victoria Holland. Um, I was still taking lessons with her. I would fly her to Atlanta when it was cold in Chicago. And then in the summer in Chicago, I would fly to her and um, her voice teacher. Now my voice teacher, Delia, um, was in Chicago to do a master class with um, Loyola University. And so I went to Chicago to take a lesson with this lady. And after my first lesson or second or something like that, she took my face in her hands, this little 70, at the time, 73-year-old lady. And she was just like, I know you're an adult and you have bills to pay, but you have to figure out 
how you're going to sing because your soul is crying to me. And these are the words that she used. And um, yeah, I just, something in me just broke. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know how to like get back to it and blah, blah, blah. And I literally, I went home two days later and I took a mental day from work and I went to lunch with my best friend and he was like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, I, I said, I'd quit my job and I'd go study with Delia for three months. And so he's like, we'll do that. And a couple weeks later, I went and talked to my CEO and I told her that's what I wanted to do. And she's like, well, we can't let you do that. I said, okay, well, here's my notice then. Mm. And two weeks later, I was done with the symphony. And three weeks after that, I was on a plane to Italy. That's wild. That's amazing. Yeah. So, wow. That's genuinely... So then, like, talk about those... Can you talk about those three months? So you you were like... The three, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'd had, you know, three lessons with this lady. I didn't know her. And I told her, I was like, well, I'm coming to Italy to study with you. And she was like, um, okay. <laughs> um, so I literally, I got an Airbnb and um, I had a lesson with her the first couple weeks every single day and then the last two months or so it was like maybe three or four times a week and that's literally all I did I went to a couple of the big sites because you have to do that in Rome um I did take I mean I took some trips I went to Milan I went to you know Florence Venice whatever but for the most part I was in a very small neighborhood in Rome where there are no tourists um, which I did purposefully. Of course, and, yeah. um And then I would just take the bus to her house and have voice lessons. And she's taught me and continues to teach me, um, you know, this beautiful technique that I know for sure works because she used it, uses it and she's amazing. And she's 75 and you wouldn't even know it because it's just, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous seeing that she does. And so now, yeah, I just learned with her. But... Um, I knew before I left that I was going to end in Berlin. Like I already had my apartment here and everything. Yeah. Um, and that was a really beautiful thing because I really don't like Rome actually. <laughs> um, and I experienced like a lot of like sideways looks, like I'd get on the bus and people would just like widen their eyes and clutch their purses sure. or, um, you know, get on the all. bus and, there would be one seat left right next to me and the bus would be completely full and nobody would sit down in it. And I had a guy, this older guy, literally walking his dog, stopped in the, stopped on the sidewalk, got to the wall and just literally just watched me as I was walking towards him. And then as I passed him, just like stopped and watched me. Mm -hmm. And um, at first it really bothered me. And so I finally asked Delia, I was like, Delia, like, this is what's going on. Like, what is it? And she was like, oh, they just think you're a prostitute. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm sorry, what? Oh my God. Um, like, yeah, they just, they just think you're a prostitute because a lot of, um, a lot of the black people that, go to not just Rome, but like that migrate there, um, like are there under false, like they come because somebody offers them a better life or whatever. And they come and then they end up being like literally like sex workers. Cause they don't have any other choice. 
And wow. so, um, and I'm not, there are some, there are a couple of black nuns that I've seen and there are a couple of like Muslims. Most of the black people I saw um, were Muslims. Um, and I'm just like, you know, me wearing my <laughs> yoga pants and t-shirt. And uh, yeah, I guess people think I'm a sex worker. So now I'm used to those stairs, but it's still, I mean, I, I'm there. Well, not anymore, but I'm there like every month, every right. two, six weeks. And it never fails. Well, it that, never fails. I, I think always that, get a look. That's the thing about, uh, like, Italy especially, is it is such a um, poor country. And also, like, mm. it's not just, obviously, because, like, it's not just about class structure. It's It's also just about the way that European culture can be in countries like that, like, you know, I, I immediately think totally. back to, um, I'm trying to figure out how much context for the story I'm going to tell, but like, there was that editorial <laughs> that I wrote. I'm sure that folks know about what I'm talking about that. Um, the editorial I wrote that blew up really big on classical music and on white supremacy in classical music. And essentially like, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, basically like, I just wrote an editorial that you took the statistics of conductors and um, uh, obviously composers at different opera houses mm-hmm. in America and made the very obvious conclusion that it is white supremacist. And, and you know, what that, what that means is, you know, many things. But what ha- one of the... It was really well received in America, but I got a lot of... I mean, also there was... Generally, I got a lot of pushback from basically, like, out-and-out white supremacists. Like, mm-hmm. it was, I had a couple articles written about me um, by, wow. by like, Nazi and white oh supremacist alt-right kind of, like, magazines. Yeah, it's, wow. it's a lot. Of, just, like, people posting pictures of me being like, what does <laughs> this guy, what is this guy's race even? He doesn't even look that wow. white. I'm like, are you fucking wow. kidding? Yeah, it was ridiculous. But all of that is to say, it also blew up big in the Czech Republic for some reason. And it that's when it kind of hit a lot of things. Because I had been to Italy before. And mm-hmm. so, like, the, the element of the European uh, lack of resources homogenous. Is that the word I'm looking for? Homogenous? Hom- homogeny? Yeah, like that culture of just mm-hmm. basically white people that have not had, white like European whites that have not had any other experiences in their life besides, totally. you know, basically like working class environments throughout Europe, which is like an interesting parallel to like what elected Donald Trump, you know what I mean? Like yeah. disenfranchised working class people that, you know, maybe they their totally. neighborhood they've very infrequently seen a black person. Um, but All, yeah, I mean, and what you're saying is like, I mean, it's th- this is the realization yet yeah, that I first had when I got here because I sort of had this um, well unrealistic thought of what would be, mm. and it's interesting because yeah, I mean, Italy. I, I would live in Milan, maybe. Um, sure. But even there, too, like, it happened to me when I was in Prague. It happened in sure. Amsterdam. I'm, I'm just thinking of places where I even just were at was at the opera or to see an orchestra or something like sure. that. 
um, where people just looked at me as if like, what, like when I was in Prague, literally, and I went to Prague because one of my girlfriends um, was singing a Porky and Bess like highlights concert mm. with Prague, with um, the Prague National Radio Orchestra. And so it's like all of these black people on stage. Well, that's not true. Five black people on stage and one other black person in the audience and then me, mm. right? So, and I was like at the top of the balcony so I could see like most things except for whatever was under the balcony underneath me. And literally I'm standing in line to get my ticket from Will Call because my girlfriend had got me a ticket. And this lady, I'm standing in a line and this lady comes up next to me, looks me up and down and literally just walks in front of me to the table. Mm. Like I was next. And she literally came up, looked me up and down and just got her ticket. And this was when I had first, like if this was like maybe February. So I'd been to a couple of places, but I hadn't been here that long. And I remember I came back and I wrote like furiously on Facebook, like, I can't believe that, you know, I thought that this was like a, you know, something that only happened in America or that was like really prevalent in America. I'm really disappointed and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, multiple people were like, oh, you know, it's just the Europeans. They don't like lines and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just like, that's complete bullshit because Mm -hmm. I go to the bank and there's a line. I go to the grocery store. There's a line. You go to the bathroom. There's a line. That's not, oh, they don't like lines. That's her looking me up and down and just going in front of me. She didn't go in front of the person behind me or the person in front of me. She just only went in front of me. And so I think that absolutely it is just a white thing. I don't, I, I don't even say European because it's not just European. Yeah. It's that is, that is fat. And I mean, obviously too, like going to any city, obviously it won't, is not a complete fix all by any sort of imagination, but I'm sure it's at least, but Rome thinking about going back to where we got off on this tangent. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, 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 I think I'm glad. I always am very proud of a very good tangent like this that is also able (laughs) to be brought back to where it started from. Um, Yeah. That does not surprise me that Rome would have, just because the wealth disparity in Rome is so, I mean, like, the closest... I don't even know if we have a close American city that like is so that dependent has so on tourism much wealth. and no. his, that has history and like wealth yeah. disparity and like, you know, maybe New Orleans. New Orleans doesn't have wealth. Mm-mm. No, I, but it I doesn't mean, have the same gap at all. I'm more just thinking of just like, like an economy that is so dependent on tourism. I mean, New York, but mm, but Rome is not, I don't know, I mean, like, obviously, I've only, I, I've only been to Rome a bit, and I don't know a ton about it, but, like, I also don't think that there is, I mean, I don't know, is there as much extreme wealth in, like, Rome as there is in New York? Now that I don't know, because New York is so big. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. It's just hard, it's hard to say a hard yes or no because right. of the Vatican, man. Yeah, that is very true. 
there's so much money in that place and secret things that belong to everybody that, well, don't let's not, I'm not going to get started on that. But yeah, I think that, um, I think that's a hard one to say for sure. Well, but, that, but also a good point that you're making. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd definitely be interested yeah. in, if there are folks that are listening that have thoughts on this that want to write in, please do. Um, another aspect though that I do, I know that we want to talk about is, um, I mean, like you and I met through, was it Opera on Tap first or was it through, mm. time is an illusion. I don't entirely. Yeah, I don't really. But what I do know is that we, remember. Um, I sang for Opera Uve with, uh, for Bohem. Yes, for Bohem. Yeah. Um, and. I knew you before that, surely. I think so. Yeah, but. But no, because we did, because we did, um, we did, uh, Giovanni. Right. For maybe, floating. maybe that's I'm where thinking we of met. floating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that all being said, the, anyway. the, what I do know about you is that you have, you're that type of person who has worn both the very good at administration hat and also singing as a career hat, you know, there are, like, oh, it's yeah, an, it, it's so. a, it's an interesting breed of people in Chicago that, you know, that do that, you know? Um, and, yeah. and in that too, like we've that, that aspect of, you know, also doing fundraising at a like tr- traditional level. Do you know what am I trying to say? Like a, like at a large arts organization. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like that element is, is fascinating to that end too. Like what (laughs) I'm actually looking for, like a question at this point of like, what just to get into this topic of, well, so something, this is something that I was, that I, that I mentioned wanting to talk about at the top. Are you referencing that? Yeah. Yeah. So something about something that I appreciate about you on social media is, or rather this isn't, uh, you know, obviously you are, you are a very positive force on social media, which is fantastic. But a post that you made not too long ago has really stuck in my mind <laughs> as like a lot of people are really bad at fundraising. <laughs> and I hope I didn't use those words. No, no, I'm no, sure no, I no. <laughs> no, you were, it was, it was, that is how I feel to be fair. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it had to do with, um, it was, it was around Giving Tuesday, like, around, like, because there was, you know, Black Friday, uh, Small Business probably. Saturday, Giving yeah. Tuesday, whatever. Um, but they, I remember you posting oh, around Oh, I know, I actually know exactly what post you're talking about. Yeah. I actually got a couple of calls off of that post. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, no, because you were, because you were sick, because the, the, the gist of that post was, Wow, I'm seeing a lot of these giving these Giving Tuesday uh, <laughs> fundraisers from organizations that I haven't heard anything from for any other part of the year, and I just yeah. and like just, like the just was like wow the audacity of these people <laughs> yeah yeah and seriously well, well so like like would you mind talking like. I I know that you have a lot of opinions about how fundraising should be done properly, but I also yeah. don't want to ask you to give advice for free. So I would like you to talk <laughs> about fundraising in a way that 
you feel good yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fair. And I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I really don't know how to talk about it um, without just like talking about it. So sure. here you are, people. Listen up. Amazing. Um, well, but really, no. What I, what really I would just address your actual question. So um, about that post. So I do remember that post. Um, I have a couple of friends who um, own, you know, a five hundred one c three or you know some some small nonprofit, and. Uh, one of them in particular, I've actually worked with her as a fundraiser, um, but one of them in particular called me after this post, and uh, it took her a couple of days because <laughs> I really hurt her feelings. And it wasn't even about any particular person, I promise, or organization. Um, it was just a blanket post because, like, I'm sure a lot of people experience around Giving Tuesday, um, if they miss Giving Tuesday, maybe they'll do it as a holiday thing or something like that. Um, but like these organizations will literally just like send you a solicitation out of nowhere mm-hmm. or a, ask, a, a fundraising ask, however you want to say it. And literally that's all you hear from them the entire year, the other 364 days, nothing. And then the one time you hear from them is to ask you for something. Now, if we're supposed to be friends, which is what your letter says, cause it's not even personalized to me it says dear friend so now you're saying dear friend i know i haven't talked to you for 364 days (laughs) but this one time that i'm talking to you i need a favor if you had an actual friend in real life who did that you would not be their friend yeah because that's not a relationship that's not a friendship at all Mm -hmm. that's some kind of transactional thing you may as well be talking to like your gynecologist who changes your iud every five years you know what i mean like Yeah. yeah That's not even a relationship. And so fundraising, good fundraising, not sales, but fundraising is based on relationship. And you can build relationships through so many channels and direct mail or email is one of those channels, but it's not a relationship if it only happens one time and it only goes one way. That's not a, that's not a relationship. It's not a, it's not a conversation. That's you sending a letter and that's not fundraising. Well, and the, like, and the most, the thing I appreciated about that post is that it wasn't just a condemnation. It, I mean, it it was partially a condemnation, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like at the end of it, it was like, however, you can get better at this by hiring a professional to help you. So like, please let me know. And I like... I, the thing that I struggle with, honestly, with like highly negative posts is the condemnation with no call to action. Sure. It's just kind of like, you're bad, go die in a ditch, (laughs) you will never recover from this, get out of my life. Like, obviously, like, there's really no place for that. Mm. There's no reason for it. So if there's going to be negativity and there's going to be condemnation, there needs to be some sort of way of like, hey, this was wrong. However, there's a way that you can be right. And it's this. Yeah. Talk to you yeah. later. <laughs> and I, I appreciate all this too, because the transition that I was originally making was, because I, I think the way that you think about fundraising is fascinating, Brenda, because you do have the experience of what, of what it's like to be a person 
who starts a thing and then that so cuz I cuz I feel like there are just a lot of folks who are fantastic artists or they have an idea that they want to implement sure. or something like that and it becomes very precious, you know? And it yeah. becomes I have to control every aspect of this. Like maybe I don't want to ask for help. I think I can I think I can do this without knowing about it, you know what I mean? And I think fundraising and there's a lot of aspects of an of a fledgling and I, I don't, yeah. again I'm not speaking to anything in specific that was I resonated very deeply with you when you said that because I've had multiple times where um someone's reached out to me after a podcast recording I've like one off on a rant about something and they've been like was this about me like I don't know you were so mad at me and I'm like I, <laughs> I'm so sorry like no it wasn't I just I just was like this, I was just in the moment like it wasn't there's no I just right. was writing a thing I was saying a thing anyway well but also if if you felt if you felt read by this then maybe look at your shit yeah <laughs> like maybe we can talk about it like I like I'll tell you what I'm what I, how I'm feeling but anyway um, right. all this is to say, like, uh, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting thing of being in that position where you, like, exactly, you've maybe started a fledgling operation of some kind and you exact, like, you don't really understand fundraising, but what you do know is that some people have set up MailChimps <laughs> and, right. like, and like, you can send an email out to everybody that's ever contacted you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like that. And is... I, I mean, I, I, and I get that, and that, and I commend it. You know, it's better than nothing. Because the other thing, well, there are so many things about fundraising, but like one thing about fundraising, um, people who are fundraising and don't really know what they're doing is like they haven't actually made any asks, and mm-hmm. like you definitely are going to get no money if you don't ask for money. Mm. But I'm in the business of sustainable fundraising. And um, so what, um, here's a, tid- a free tidbit for the folks Ooh. to think about. Um, like you can send an email on Giving Tuesday and sure you might raise a couple hundred, maybe even a couple of thousand dollars, probably not a couple thousand. Um, but maybe, you know, you might raise some money and that money might help you for a few months. But if you don't ask those people again until the following Giving Tuesday, mm-hmm. you're not going to make as much money the following Giving Tuesday. Also, the people that gave you money the first time are less likely to give it to you again if you don't at- do anything in between those two asks. I mean, it's just what I said in- initially um, without any pointers or anything like that is just something to think about. And you can probably sort of draw your own conclusion but sustainable fundraising is about relationships. Mm-hmm. And so you have, whether it's a grant with a large, you know, foundation, or if it's $10 from even someone you already know, if it's $10 from your aunt or your uncle, like that's still a relationship that you have to cultivate and steward. So it's not just the 50,000, the 5 million, you know, the $25 million gifts that require attention. All of them do because everybody who gives is a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I want to kind of um, tie all this together too with, you know, we've been, I've been really enjoying talking to you about just kind of like the scope of basically your life. And I'm, I'm curious, like, <laughs> like how does, how do you, do you know how like fundraising and kind of like administrative arts work uh, like plays into that now or like how, how do you think about that or 
fundraising what do you mean plays into what like how you like the future of your career oh my own personal career Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i've continued to consult even on this side of the pond and i imagine that i will continue to do that until i die probably because i love fundraising i'm really passionate about it um Right now, actually, I'm doing a bunch of pro bono work because I care about the arts, especially in America, Mm -hmm. and I want them to survive. So right now, I'm hardly charging anything if I... um, So from, from like, my own personal life perspective, yeah, I think I'll always have a stream of income that is tied to fundraising. Yeah. Yeah, and likely fundraising yeah, and, and I, for the arts. Yeah, I, but I don't. I yeah, don't see myself I, fundraising for myself. If that, I'm not quite sure no, if that's no, what no. you're asking. I, no, no, no. What I what I mean is like it's very obvious that you love yeah. it, and so it's an interesting thing for me when you do when you are a person that wears those hats of, of performing and something like that that is in such need in the arts. It's an interesting, it's a hard thing to balance. It is. I mean, and I didn't balance it. I didn't balance it when I was doing it at all. And I don't know if a person like me can. Um, It's something I've thought about a lot because I am, um, I'm really passionate about whatever is in front of me. (laughs) I I don't know how else to say it. Um, And because of that, it's really hard for me to like, even, I mean, even with Opera Uber, I was so passionate about Mm -hmm. the company. I was passionate about getting the art into the community. I paid nothing, but I was really passionate about paying something. And for me, all of those things were more important than me singing in the show, even though the initial Mm -hmm. reason I did it was to sing in the show. Um, but I ultimately didn't because the other things in my heart really took precedence. And so I think I know that I can't fundraise, um, or raise money for an arts organization right now because I care about it too much and it takes too much to do it really well, um, for me to also have the singing career that I want. And so I'm going to keep it close. I'm going to pay this ridiculous amount to keep my CFRE active. Um, But for me right now, I have to focus on the performance because even though I plan to be singing well, well into my, you know, late age, I know I won't be able to be on stage performing the way I'm performing right now for that long. So I feel like I'm just sort of taking a break from full-time fundraising right now. And I don't know if I'll ever go back to full-time fundraising, but I'm just sort of shifting my focus a bit um, to make sure I don't die with any regrets. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have a few minutes left. Usually that means that we'd have folks give a plug for anything they have upcoming but like oh it's, yeah but, you know it do be it do it is weird a <laughs> time for that um, kind of thing no but, but i do i do have a suggestion 
Awesome. Because um, Maria was like, Maria was like, what are you doing like to stay sane or something? Something like that. That's yeah, what yeah. I heard you say. I don't know if that's what you said. Um, but I do want to encourage everyone to watch babies laughing. Like there are whole YouTube videos of babies laughing. I personally have a um, playlist and I save when I scroll on Instagram and I see babies laughing, I always save those videos because it's really hard not to join in the laughter. And laughter is good like medicine. Yeah. I am a witness. And so for me, um, I really have been trying to start and end my days with babies laughing because they're, it's just kind of the best. Amazing. That's like... So is it, can you share, like, is that, is it like a public playlist or like, I need to, that's like. Yeah, no, I am, I'm sure that it's public because I posted it on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. I was like, you guys just need to watch some babies laughing because there's like, I get it. It's scary and there's like a lot of shit happening, but just like, guess what? The babies don't know about the shit that's happening and they're still laughing. Yeah. And so the laughter is just like pure and just completely heartfelt, no pretenses, just like unbridled joy Brenda, is and it's cool, a beautiful thing to is remember. Is it cool if I find it and post it with the, with the yeah, episode? Totally. Totally. Yeah, totally. That's, I love that. It's yeah. Queen for Yah is my YouTube or I guess Brenda Marie Turner Soprano. I don't know, but it's called laughing babies. Oh, that's so good. Um, that's my plug. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys. How fun. This was great. Yeah. Well, and you know, whenever you want, whenever you want to stay up till 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't. It's 3 a.m. by you. Yeah. Yeah. It's 3. 3 09. Oh my God. Well. No, I don't know. Something happened a couple weeks ago. Like, not a couple, about 10 days ago. Um, I don't know what happened. I feel like maybe I was bit by a spider or something. And I was up in the middle of the night. Like I went to bed. I usually go to bed around 1230. I was in bed tossing and turning. And around 230, I finally just got up and called my brother. And I ended up talking to him for like three hours. So about 530, I'm trying to get back to sleep. I finally get the last time I looked at my clock it was like 615. And since that night, I literally have just been on Eastern Standard Time yesterday or Tuesday. Um, I didn't go to bed until 9.30 in the morning. Like I couldn't go to sleep. And then I finally went to the grocery store when it opened at seven. Mm. And I came home and put the groceries away. And then I finally went to bed at like 9.30 in the morning. It's crazy. Yeah, the first like two or three weeks of, of quarantine, I just was up until 9 a.m. It was ridiculous. I don't know why. Just like, I think, I don't know, just the shock of it all, maybe, yeah, or something. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like my body should be accustomed to this. It's I'm in month three at this point, right. so I don't know what happened, but I'm just going with the flow because stressing about it is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. So, whatever. Yeah. Sleep during the day. Thank you all so much for listening. I've been Deandra Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there's so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles and podcast episodes there. You can also keep up with us on social media. We have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board. We talk about local arts, local politics, 
astrology memes, you name it. There you can also find a link to our Discord server called Sounding Board as well, where we hang out, have fun, have a good time. And yeah, so check it out. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under ScopyMag, spelled the same way as the website, S-C-A-P-I-M-H-E. And you can find the podcast, the one you're listening to right now in most podcast places, including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and Radio Public. And I'm here, as always, to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, the best way to do that is by becoming a member. For $2 a month, you will receive an email in your inbox every time we post. So say goodbye to that social media algorithm, and hello to our content. Also, also we have merch for sale if you enjoy head to scopymag.com store you can buy your new favorite t-shirt and that is a promise also if you are a business or an entity or just have something fun to say and want to advertise with us please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com so give a little give a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share cool thanks again so much for listening go out and make something yep